it's like this feeling of like you're waiting for something, but you don't know what you're waiting for. Mm-hmm. And then when you do open up, you open that door, you, you realize that, oh boy, there's a lot of stuff here. Mm-hmm. Some I knew was there, some I didn't. We used to be kids. Now we're not. Something happened in between. This is the Broken Youth Club. No, it was, it was good to be home. I mean, I still worked. I still had to do some editing and stuff right. down here, and uh, I did some from the couch. Um, yeah, but we did have those couple days in the beginning where we were too sick and like really fatigued to just, really do yeah, anything. Just submitted. <laughs> so, but that was kind of cute because then we got to like play like kid sick day, you know, yeah. and we like watched some old movies that we hadn't watched in a long time or mm. like I pulled up Little Bear and we watched Little Bear um, with yeah. the kids, which they did we not. Talk about, we need to find that um, that composition uh, score so we could just put it yeah. on and like falsely. T- oh, yeah. So like, nostalgic. It's so sweet with all yeah, that I'm piano forward, work. We have camp coming up, uh, that big summer camp adult thing that we're doing Yeah, <clears throat> through Bad Magic. And I'm, I'm getting hyped. And Oliver wanted to watch Camp Nowhere. Mm-hmm. So we watched that. And then right off the back of that, I watched Heavyweights. Yeah, which made me want to wear my Perkis Power yeah. tank top. I wish I I wish I went to camp when I was younger, even if it was a fat camp. I still would have like to do the go karts, to do um, the the decathlon thing that they did. Yeah, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, definitely my favorite. I only ever did like Girl Scout camps, and those were pretty cool. But they were just during the day. We didn't stay overnight. I, I've never done even a single. Oof camp of any kind as a you, kid you've been missing out i sure have <laughs> speaking of um actually i'm not speaking of anything i just remembered you have your things over here yes yeah so listen i wasn't like a barbie player and uh when i was little i didn't play with barbies but this barbie movie has changed <laughs> me and yeah. um so i treated myself to um a little something that felt like we needed to share um mommy got her first pair of crocs um <laughs> you can hear them <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can because they're so good look there's a little disco ball and they make me so tall yeah. um do you remember that time oh, yeah, when i got like four inch heels do you remember that time in high school when i got heels and you told me that i was freakishly nope. tall in them nope, and I then sure i could never not. wear them again it's true i you swear did it. you made that up thank you i no, I, I swear. I remember you. They were Jessica Simpson heels. Yeah, they were. I remember red, that. like patent heels. I remember that. Yeah, and I. But you you asked how do I look, and I was like, whoa, definitely it makes you taller. <laughs> wow, and freakishly you, tall, and I went, what? I didn't say for you said. Freakishly tall. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you got those though. Those are fun. I, I was very. I I couldn't. Um, I couldn't process what I was looking at <laughs> for like a solid ten seconds because yeah. I didn't know. It's like, did you get these for Oliver? I was yeah, confused. No. No, no, that's great. I've absolutely, I've, I've never actually really like wanted a pair of Crocs, but I also always thought the gibbets were kind of silly. And then I saw those and I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I get it. No, so, I totally, I, I appreciate I it's the, it's the perfect example of what do humans like to cling on to that's dumb, but yeah. also fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was totally influenced by somebody on 
Instagram to buy those. I hadn't seen them until she received them. And this influencer is like my spirit child. Like I just really love her a lot. Mm-hmm. Not spirit child, spirit animal. Oh, I guess weird. she's yeah. like my age. She's older than me, I think maybe. I don't know. But anyway, she bought them and then she put up this video that she was saying like she had gotten some comments that basically were like, how old are you? Like grow up essentially. Oh yeah. And then she did this whole like, I'm old enough to know that it's okay to fucking like what I want to like. And that's weird of you as an adult to look at what I'm spending my money on and think that it is like silly. Yeah. Like mind your business. Yeah. No, I love silly things. Yeah. I love collecting weird things. Um, I mean, even when my dress there for a while was super weird where I was buying neon and iridescent stuff. Yeah. Just being weird. And I'm. When, like I said to you, when I wear those Crocs out. I'm going to be looking because people are going to see them because they're they're there. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to know if you are scowling at my shoes, then I don't want to fuck with you anyways. But if you smile, I'm going to smile back and we're going to have a moment. Yeah. They're moment makers. It's a good indicator. It's like a radar. I love them. (laughs) I love them. So no regrets. I can't wait. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. Working into my Barbie life. Well, I think we are going to start this episode so we don't forget with a listener submission like we had spoken about. Yes. So I'll let you start with that. Yeah. Yeah. So we, first we just want to say thank you so much to everybody that has sent in um, emails up to this point. Uh, We feel really just like grateful and humbled that you guys are sending in these stories so quickly and you're trusting us that we're going to handle these with care and, you know, some of this stuff is really heavy and we got a few of them right off the jump that I've, I've read. And then I looked at Logan and I was like, man, you know, like I've heard your stories. I know my stories. I know my friends, my family, my parents, but like reading some of this stuff that listeners have sent in, it is so heartbreaking mm-hmm. and it's just, um, it's hard to process some of it. And I think that that was a part of this podcast that I wasn't anticipating correctly. Like I knew that I was going to receive things that were going to be hard to read and it would be really sad. Um, But some of this stuff is really just heartbreaking. And I hope that um, my responses to you guys are uh, appropriate, that they're giving you some level of comfort or knowing that I'm, I I see it and I read it and I believe you and I, You know, I right. I want to do whatever I can to kind of help along with with your healing process. And if that, I I just hope that writing those things out and sending them in is giving that to people, um, because it's just it's kind of unbelievable um, that we're giving off the. The vibe. The quick, trusting vibe. Yeah, which we are, like, trusting people. And thank you for seeing that because I feel like I'm always just so nervous about what people actually think about me when I leave the room. So. I don't think you and I both have a, um, I don't know, like a deep mistrust with other people. Again, from, like, maybe sharing drama, mm-hmm. which I think we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Um, and so it's easy for us to believe that, like, why would you want to, like, we are just strangers to a lot of people. Yeah. And... It does feel good. It feels validating to know that people feel comfortable sharing such, I mean, things that have such gravity to them. Yeah. I mean, it it is the heaviest things in life. Yeah. And 
to feel that we are a bouncing board for that is um, it's something we don't take lightly. No, and not at are, all. <clears throat> I think that's where we hope we can. Yeah, we can walk through this with like with grace and hope that we don't, um, you know, offend anybody and know that our heart is always, you know, in the right place when we try to, uh, you know, broach these topics. Right. Yeah, for sure. So in saying that, before we get started, um, this show in general is a show that um, comes with a a big trigger warning. You know, we're talking about trauma and it can be a thing that is really hard for people. Um, The story we're going to share today um, is one that involves uh, sexual trauma within uh, family relationships. Um, And when I read this story, I immediately related it to Logan and Logan's story with his uh, sexual abuse in his life. And so um, I thought it could be a story for me to read and then we could just kind of reflect on it. And then Logan could talk a little bit more about his experience. And then, you know, hopefully that can give um, again, just like some more healing for if nothing uh, else, the comfort. person that wrote in. Yeah. Um, and just know that you're not alone in what you're going through and um, and we're here, you know, yeah. in whatever capacity we can be for people. Uh, we want you to feel like we're a safe space for you. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, go ahead and grab it. <clears throat> and then again, we're going to keep these anonymous. Yes. That's, I think, the, I mean, again, that, that's the only way to just keep it comfortable, I think, for everyone. Yeah. And we will... Some people who write in, we, we don't know. But some people who write in, we do know. And so I think just to uh, keep um, everybody's safety and security, mental health, everything above board, we're, we're going to do it the best we can. We're not going to try to paraphrase. We're going to try to read like, because again, a lot of a lot of what we get in is long so far. That is the common theme. Yeah. And some of the things we might just pick, you know, a paragraph out of that right. you wrote. Um, so that we can really give focused attention to that. Um, the one that I'm going to read today, I didn't feel like there was any part of it that I could take yeah. out we wanna, yeah. because it feels like all of it m- is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want anybody to think that I am looking at their story and then judging what is and isn't important to it. You know what I mean? So I think that I, this part is really nerve wracking for me because I want to handle <laughs> it right. And I'm really yeah. nervous about it. So well, yeah. Um, please let us know if you feel like you have some thoughts on how we should do this moving forward, if you think it's better to paraphrase or to bullet point or something. But for me, I just wanted to read this one in full um, because I think that it's important. And I think a lot of the things about this story and this experience, um, again, just ties back so much with your story. And yeah. I just want to feel like we're hitting all of the um, – yeah, that we're hitting all of it, sure. I guess. So, okay. okay, here we go. Between the ages of 5 and 12, I was heavily molested and forced into sexual acts by my uncle. At that young of an age, you have no way of even beginning to understand what's happening in those situations. Like there literally aren't even words for how you feel at that age after something like that. He was on drugs and in and out of jail at the time. My mom would let him stay at our house. It would happen in my house with my parents in the next room. I was never safe if he was around. 
I never said anything to anybody because it was my uncle. He loved me, right? And I really had no understanding that it was wrong until I was about 10. I just didn't know. I never got the talk, and definitely not that young. I was learning everything on my own. So just carrying this inside of me, all the while growing up, maturing, learning, and understanding, that it was in fact a bad thing that happened to me. I never said a word about it to anyone. Fast forward to me at 19, just graduated high school. My parents and I are fighting. I'm so upset. I decide I'm going to say something to my mom about it. It was her baby brother who, in her eyes and her family's eyes, could never do wrong. So I tell her, and she says to me, quote, I don't even know how or when that ever could have happened. So I left. Total rock bottom breaking point for me. I crashed at friends' houses all that summer before I went to college because it truly felt to me that I had no one. I was on my own and never talked about it again. Now fast forward to 2020, horrible year. I think everyone is in agreement on that. It was such a depressing time. And I see my mom has posted something on Facebook that triggered me big time. I don't even remember what it was now, but it stirred it up for me. I reach out to her again to bring it up. And she and my dad both say they've thought about that ever since that summer. Well, they certainly never showed it. My mom will go out of her way to still see and love on her brother. And while I understand how hard it must be, I'm her child, and I find it absurd that she can even stand to be around him. I have kids now, and I'm telling you, I don't care who it is, I could never see that person again. So my husband can see that I'm so clearly upset, and this is the one thing I've never told him, and I just spew it out. I'm a mess, and I have to talk to him about it. The look of horror on his face I'll never forget. He was so angry. And it was brand new information for him. His reaction was so bizarre to me, even though it was the correct one, because I hadn't seen that kind of support before. And immediately I realized I can cut my uncle out of my life. I never have to see him again if I don't want to. I don't have to go up and hug him at family Christmas. I don't ever have to do anything I don't want to do again. It literally took 20 years in telling my husband to realize that I can just say no. My mom will still probably live the rest of her life acting like nothing has ever happened, but I will not. And it's so freeing. But at the same time, because I won't see him, how many family gatherings am I going to miss? And how unfair is that? Thank you so much for creating this space for people to share their stories. One of the things I've learned in the past few years is that talking about it helps so much. Saying it out loud or even writing it out. After so long of being alone with it inside your head... It makes you feel like you can finally breathe. Mm. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> that one um, definitely got me twice. Because <laughs> you had read that to me a couple nights ago, I think. Um, yeah. Because yeah, we don't always sit down together to like read them all together. No, I think that's only the second one that I wrote that I have um, read to you already. Yeah. Um, we wa- uh, yeah. Because there's some of it, like, I want you to have um, a genuine reaction to it right. so we can have a conversation that we haven't already had before. Um, but this one hit me so hard because, you know, not only does it kind of line up with, um, you know, family assault um, and also having family members that aren't 
responding in the way that you would hope or supporting in the way that you would hope. Um, And then also, I mean, for me, you know, I read uh, the reaction that her husband had and I just, uh, I know what that's like. (laughs) Um, And for me, you know, you hadn't told anybody else yet. Um, And so I didn't have that added line of, if you had told me something like that and then also said that your parents responded in that way, I think, uh, I don't like, I don't know how I would have controlled myself. Um, because that's just, again, like we mentioned in the pilot, I mean, this is the person that you love more than anyone on this planet, your number one person. And you're hearing this experience that they had that is horrifying um, and then also hearing that they weren't like loved well through that. Yeah. Um, it just makes you like the claws come out, right? Like you just want to like, yeah, yeah. It's, um, attack it's, anybody that had anything to do with hurting you. It's devastating to hear that, um, it's, it seems common, I think is, is the thing that's so depressing for me about, um, hearing other people's stories, hearing this story, and the, how much the parallels are to my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so... I don't have words. Like, I I, I, I knew we were going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, instantly, I guess, the thing I, the thing I think about is... Um, yeah, the, the reaction that this person's partner had. And remembering your instant reaction as well and your i don't know it's like a mixture of confusion fear and anger i would say and um to feel because for me it was about 20 years as well i would right yeah Mm -hmm. from when i from what happened to me and then telling you i told no one not a soul right and um, it, it was also a close family member for me. And, uh, you know, luckily in my case, for the most part, when I had told my family, and I'm trying to think if I've told any close friends, maybe one, um, there was a overwhelming support of, you know, oh my gosh, like I can't believe, you know, this happened. And, but there was one instance where it, <laughs> I do think it was, you know, that night that I told you about my situation, that and then a mixture of telling this and opening up finally to some close people to me. And one response I got for sure was, devastating yeah and that's where i think the term for this show came from right. so i've never really truly considered myself like like broken in any way right because i'd never um hmm i never analyzed it i don't think again going back to what i said before you just you press on and you as this person said you learn and you grow 
and life happens around you and this is just peace and um you kind of in a sense you normalize it and when something's normal it, you who, you don't pay attention to it you know and so again for me there were several years where you know is it, it was there um but you just don't you don't think about it as much because it's like well it's old hat at this point but then yeah when when I don't, I don't know, again, what the catalyst necessarily was for me other than therapy and just kind of being open and having other fresh wounds and the business and all that. But as soon as I did, man, it just felt like this paradigm shift in everything about us, the way that we loved each other and community communicate with each other. Um, I'm now able to talk about this stuff without fully breaking down. And I'm glad that this person has been able to do the same with their partner. Because in the end, that's the thing that matters to me the most. Like my, my close family, everything, um, you know, siblings, parents, uh, all that. That's important to me as far as how, what I, what I do, who I am in their lives, how all that is affected. Sure. But at the end of my life, the keystone is you and my kids. And so being able to fully just say, this is, this is what happened to me and have that full acceptance, at least from you mm -hmm. meant, meant the world. And, um, that was necessary for me to continue to then open up to family and, friends and whatnot so the fact that this person did that and is getting denial and is getting especially all these years later it still seems to be uh like a sw swept under the rug thing yeah and i don't have the stats but um i know that in general it's usually someone you know or a close friend or family and that's why they get covered up it's because yeah. they're close friends and family. Because if I were to, you know, blow up something that, uh, or blow up a life of someone who was close to me, that also blows up my life. Mm -hmm. And so for this person, it is a very much, in my opinion, a selfish move to not acknowledge that because it's not, I don't, again, I don't want to speak on the situation, but from, from, from my perspective, it would be, in part protecting that person, but also in part protecting themselves. Right. And you mean this person is in this person's mom? Yes, yeah, sorry. This sorry. person's parents? Sorry. Yeah. Yes, sorry. No, yeah. I was tracking with you, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, I think one of the most heartbreaking things about that outside of the parents' response was also that um, this parent then continued to put their yeah. child in instances where they knew their abuser was going to be there or like the line that they wrote about, um, I don't have to hug him at Christmas if I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that you Thought at you any had point to. had to from 19 to now, however many years have passed in between oh. is so, uh, 
it's like inhumane to me. Yeah. And I think that that's where, you know, there's the part of me that wants to be like, well, I've never had, I've never been put in this mom's shoes before. I've never been put in that position. I just feel like there is, I don't, I don't know how you could ever excuse that behavior. Yeah. Um, because I <clears throat> yeah. can't think of, I mean, I can't think of any relationships that I would choose to ignore such an incredible, like, like an incredibly horrific thing that you've done to my child also that I would ever want that relationship again, because clearly who I thought you were, you are not that person. Whether I've known you my whole life, you're my baby brother, or you are a neighbor that has lived next to me for my whole life. Like it literally doesn't matter who you are. If you were um, a parent, a grandparent, like, Whatever that relationship is, when you hear that somebody does that to your kid, I don't understand. Um, I like I I cannot find a way to justify that, uh, because it does it does feel incredibly just selfish. It's like okay, you're going to continue yeah. to live in an uncomfortable space, <clears throat> and I'm going to get to continue to have a relationship with you and with this person. And I think what I really admire about this person is this kind of realization of I don't have to be I I actually I don't have to be around this anymore and I hope that um that their parents are able to recognize that and yeah maybe make some other decisions in their life with who they want to have relationships with but I just feel like that I mean that energy can extend to anybody um and very similar to what I talked about in the last episode where my parents were like, you know, blood will only take you so far and you have to pour into these relationships. For me, that carries to everyone. That yeah. would carry to my parents if I didn't feel like they were loving me well and I'm telling you you're not loving me well and you're continuing to just do what you want to do. I'm going to back off from that. Or in the situation with you where you've had family members say hurtful stuff and it's like, well, then we're going to back off for a bit. And thankfully, those family members did realize the hurt and acknowledge that and promise to not do that again and were able to move forward. But if somebody's not willing to acknowledge the hurt that they are continually choosing to do to you, you're allowed to leave that relationship. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you're an asshole or that how could you not have a relationship with a sibling or an uncle or uh, a mom or, but it's like, that's not on you. That's on them. Yeah. If those people that are supposed to be taking care of you and loving you and protecting you, not just through your childhood, but even as an adult, I'm 33 years old. I need my parents to love me and protect me as much as they can. And if I felt like they weren't doing that, I would have to step away. Yeah. Because at this point now, like <laughs> how long are how long can you let them hurt you? You know, and your childhood is such a small portion of your life, but the things that happen in your childhood have these consequences Origin that linger impact, yeah. that linger for decades. And I think that you know, having a person 
like a supportive partner that you can lean on is so important. But if you don't have that, if you don't have a safe person in your life that you can talk to about these things, because I think you truly need someone to speak yeah. to. Yeah. You can't keep this stuff inside forever. I think that's where I really hope that this podcast can provide that for people. Um, or the Facebook group. Yeah. I hope that that can create that for people where it's like, if you don't have a safe person in your life, just know that like there is an entire group of safe people here that yeah. just want to like love you well and be a shoulder for you and help you get through it because this shit's too heavy. And, but like we can't we can't let this stuff linger our entire lives, yeah. you know? Well, and I think that, you know, going back to the fact that it was a 20 year thing, it's like, it's like this feeling of like you're waiting for something, but you don't know what you're waiting for. Mm-hmm. And then when you do open up, you open that door, you, you realize that, oh boy, there's a lot of stuff here. Mm-hmm. Some I knew was there. Some I didn't. Um, yeah. And, and so, I again, from my perspective, talking, talking, talking. And that, that has been my number one medicine with you. These late night talks. Um, op- being more open with my family. As tough as it's been with, you know, a handful of situations along the way. It is, uh, I, I, I don't know. I do think there is a human release and just even, even for people who, um, have sent in voicemails, um, to the, to the hotline knowing that we'll listen, but there's, you know, we're not going to call them back just knowing that someone's listening. Right. I, that's important to me. And, um, I feel, uh, I just, uh, I don't know what the term I'm looking for, but I, I just feel so much for those who don't have a safe person to right. talk to because yeah, it's a, it's a pressure cooker. I think you, you know, you bear, you can only bury it for so long yeah. before it exhausts in some way or the other. Yeah. Um, when I know that um, when you've talked to me about some of your stuff before, it's like, there's also this, ugh, Like, I think one of the shittiest things about trauma, because it's something that happens to you, you don't have any control over it, but then you also can carry this, like, shame with it. Yeah. And it's like, it's not your fault, and you shouldn't feel that, but you do, because you don't know how else to wrestle with what happened to you. Yeah. And I think that we talked about whether or not we were going to touch on this in a separate episode, but I think it's relevant here. Um. But one of the things, one of the only things that we've heard about this show in any sort of kickback way is this idea that we could be viewed as like we're airing out our family's dirty laundry. Oh, yeah. And right. um, as soon as I heard that, it if I'm being honest, it immediately pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. Because to me, that basically just insinuates that we should let our family mistreat us and then we don't talk about it. So then they never have any real consequences. We get to live with the trauma 
you're telling me if I'm airing it out, then that's a shameful thing to do. So you're pouring into this idea of my trauma being shameful when it's, again, not my fucking fault. I would love to not have trauma. I would love for you to not have trauma. Right. Um, And I think that it also just kind of perpetuates this ability for families to continue to abuse each other. You know, it's like, it's this this generational trauma that keeps happening because nobody is being um, encouraged to speak on it. Right. And I think that there's a way to talk about your trauma without, you know, dragging people through the mud, sure. you know? And I think that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to say some some of these family members, we know they had good intentions with the way that they were speaking to us or the way that they were choosing to discipline. I don't think they were trying to be traumatic, but they were. Um, and then I think there's other times where it's like, no, this was this was horrific behavior. And if I don't speak on it, then other people are also like not going to have stories that they're hearing that they can relate to. And then they're continuing to feel like they have to hide their stuff too. Yeah. And trauma, <clears throat> trauma shouldn't be viewed like a secret that you're supposed to keep. Mm. That's abusive. Yeah. Rela- like that's abusive language to insinuate that we should be keeping family secrets related to trauma because you don't want to air out your your dirty laundry. Like it was such an unbelievable statement for me to hear. Um because it just I think that's like a fucked up timed out fucking thing to say. Like I don't like that at all. Mm. I don't like that and I'm not going to I'm not going to air out shit in my family that didn't directly affect me. Because yeah. that's not my trauma to share. Right. But absolutely, if something happened to me and I feel like I need to speak on it, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And if anything, we should be encouraged to do that because that's a way for us to heal through the consequences that we live with because of someone else's actions. Yeah. So I don't know. I did not <laughs> like it. I didn't like yeah. it. No, okay? I, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say the the reason I carried mine for so long wasn't because I was trying to hide any, you know, family stuff on my end. I think mine was simply, not simply, <laughs> very heavy. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I think we mentioned it, that, you know, my abuser was uh, also a male. Um, and we had not mentioned oh, that. Well, I thought we had. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, so mine, I guess, had a little extra asterisk, on which I'm... Uh, I don't want to say so much is common that it's devastating. Yeah. And I know various people out who are listening are going to have similar stories, maybe even identical. And through all this, there I'm going to be, there's going to be so many times where I just, I don't know what to say other right. than I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I hope that the, the ethos of this show, what we're doing is the, let me hug you from afar. Yeah. Um, because yeah, mine was absolutely shame, hundred percent. Because I yeah. again, I grew up. Um, I think it's no secret that we are we we don't affiliate with any you know religious doctrine or anything like that. But I used to. I came from the church as a kid. Yeah. And so that there was there was a lot of conflicting things going on that sure. I was you know learning, and then shit that was happening to me by people <laughs> who were supposed to be of this place of learning. 
Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's a little complicated in that aspect. But um, well, that's one thing that my therapist that I spoke with right after um, you had told me that and I <clears throat> got one and started talking to her. Um, that was one thing that she told me when I talked to her about your stuff. She was like, the amount of times where uh, there is male on male mm-hmm. sexual abuse and then those men never speak on it because of the shame that they carry and the shame that they're meant to carry. Like, yeah. or not, I'm sorry, they're made to feel like they're meant to carry right, right, right. it. Um, it's so, it's so devastating because it really puts you, somebody that went through it in this place of, oh, you can't tell anybody about it because like, what are you? There's and we grew up in a small age, town yeah. that was so... None like of my ours, friends, you could tell. I mean, I'm sure there were. If you actually go back, you did it. You'd be surprised at who would be accepting. Yeah. But in your perce- my perception is, I mean, that was when the F word was being tossed around like candy. Yeah, like um, the early, like the 90s and early 2000s. Like our our time of growing up. And I know that I know that the LGBTQ community has been through the fucking ringer for like a very long time. But our lives growing up. Basically, up until we got into college and got out of our small town, there was like rampant homophobia. Like, mm-hmm. it was just like so mean all the time. And also very mean. Yeah. Like, some of it was innocent and other stuff was very mean-spirited. Yeah. And so it, it does feed into this idea of like, yeah, what you did what with a guy? You're like, and it's it's so foul to think back now like the shame that I comes was five guys literally <laughs> right. the shame that could try yeah. like that anybody could try to tie to that um but it's just and and you're and you're growing up in a home um that is not very accepting of the lgbtq community yeah at the time i.e your stepdad yeah um very much so yeah your mom isn't like that but your, no, your stepdad yeah, right, right. absolutely was um and I think that and I think I do need to make clear because this person we were talking about parallels. Sorry, um, this person it was their uncle. I, it was. I, I want to make clear it on my part. It was not my uncle. I love right. my uncle very much. Yeah, I don't want that to ever be misconstrued. Right. In any way, that, right. that absolutely is not the case. But yeah, and so we kind of grew up in this this small town and this environment of not being accepting of that. So. So, yeah, that was just one of those big things that my therapist was telling me, you know, like, it's just so devastating yeah. um, when shit happens to men by men, um, especially during these young years. And you're like, you know, you're you're trying to figure out what the world even is. Mm-hmm. And then things are happening to you that then you're hearing from other people is like yeah. terrible, like right. and especially growing up in a religious home where you went to a church that was not very accepting of the LGBTQ community. So then it's also like, oh, so then am I going to hell? Like, yeah. oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, so it just feels absolutely. like. Oh, I, I, that was one of my biggest fears. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it was taught to me that like, yeah, sorry. That's the way it was taught to me. Yeah. And in, in, in doctrine, whatever is that uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter if it was engaged you're you're doomed it's a cardinal sin and there's no coming back from that that's why i thought there was no coming back from that it's not my fault and i had to rationalize that and uh, 
And to think about a little kid wrestling with that for so long, and then even after the abuse stopped, but before you had ever been put in a place of like being around a lot of people in the LGBTQ community and like really having that, um, I, I don't know what the opposite of being in, because like I do feel very Exposure. much like you were yeah. pushed into Christianity at your church. And, and again, I want to asterisk this. We absolutely have close relationships with people that would call themselves Christians that we love dearly. And, you know, we don't have the same feelings about them as we do about the Christians that you went to church with because the Christians that you went to church with were very like the Bible is black and white. And so it it becomes this thing of there are no gray areas. There are all different kinds of practicing uh, believers of all different faiths. And as I, as I age, you know, I, I used to hold a lot of, uh, vilification for these types of people, a specific type of, of person. And, um, I try not to, you know, categorize uh, in general anymore. I do. It's no secret that, you know, church abuse is a, is a part of my life as well. Yeah. Uh, for friends, family, I've talked about it on other podcasts as well. So I have a kind of a unique story, I guess, when it comes to that. Um, but again, that's not what this place is going to be at all. Right. I want everybody to know that. Yeah. Like you said, we have friends and family of many faiths and religions at this point because mm-hmm. we have been able to diversify the people we commune with. And yeah. that doesn't, at the end of the day, that shit doesn't truly matter to me. It's what you do with that to harm other people. That's literally my bottom line. Yeah. It's uh, it's sex abuse scandals that get covered up. It's, un- it's people being unaccountable for their actions. It's, it's literally being used, using that as torts to hurt other people. That's that's all. And I using from. that to shame people and, and shame, the way yeah. that you were shamed for, and and this is internally for you because you weren't, you know, telling people what was happening to you, but the internal shame that you were being fed by this thing that is supposed to be the most important thing in your life, right. your religion, you yeah. know, that was. I'm. I can only imagine how difficult that would have been. And so I don't know. I just, I can't, it, it's too much to put on a little kid. It's too, it's too much. It's Especially, too heavy. I want to circle back around to the fact that this person, it was a family member with outside of your parents, probably, probably one of the highest uh, figures of authority you could have parents, maybe grandparents, and then, yeah, your uncle. Yeah. I mean, you, you when you're a kid, you look at that person as just as infallible as your parents almost, especially yeah. at young, young ages. Sure. Well, and I mean, so, anytime my sister is around and she is visiting with the kids, it's like, hey, you listen to her. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm sure that this person was also being told, like, you listen to your uncle. You do what they tell you to do. It's, it's, and then and it, yeah, like you said the, earlier, there's this mismatch of this person that I... I, I view as an authority figure doing something so horrific that it doesn't register as wrong. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you live with forever as eventually you find out that it's wrong and you, it's, uh, it's almost like you have to convince yourself mm-hmm. 
It is. Because you, you've spent so long convincing yourself that it's normal or living with it, it's normal. Yeah. I don't know. Which I it, think is also part of the power of, of, of finding safe people to speak about it with. Yeah. Because I'm telling you the amount of people that have written in to tell me their story and they talk about shit that happened to them and they're like, I literally didn't even know this wasn't normal. Yeah. Or this yeah. wasn't something that everybody went through until I got older and my friends and I would like jokingly say something to my friends and they would be like horrified. Right. So it's also just like you live with these things and when you when it's all you know, it's all you know. And so it just become it has to become this place of just like, am I even supposed to feel this sad about it? Because everybody's doing like if this right. happens to everyone, you normalize it again. You know, yeah. yeah. And so it, it almost feels like for a while you probably gaslight yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that whether it's a friend or a safe family member or a therapist or any like, I think Medical you, perfect. yeah, you like. I don't know how to move past stuff. Not, not that I even think that moving past it is the right word, but I don't know how you begin to it, heal yeah. it mm-hmm. and to feel like you're in a better place with those things or you're recognizing behaviors that you're exhibiting that you know in your core don't feel right to you. And you're like, where is this coming from? And then you start to really think about it and you're like, maybe that wasn't normal. Maybe that wasn't what was happening to everyone. Yeah. And then you're able to move forward in your life and make these different decisions because you have new information. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it can be a really freeing thing to speak about it, which is why we're doing it and why I think it's important and more important than not airing dirty laundry. Um, it's like this is literally how we take the bad things that happen to us or the bad things that were said to us and we grow out of that yeah. because we can't continue to live. We can't carry our trauma all through our childhood and then into our adult lives and then just have that forever. That's like not fucking fair. Yeah. That's not fair. And everything else is hard enough. Like being an adult and maneuvering through this fucking world is hard enough. So if we can help people lighten the load at all by just like sharing your trauma so other people can help you carry it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel very strongly about it. <laughs> yeah. I feel very because it's been such a healing thing for it us. Really yeah. I mean, there have been points in our relationship where we didn't know if we were gonna make it out. Like yeah. and I feel like ever since we have just really opened ourselves up to this very vulnerable space. And we've like created this relationship where we can speak really openly and not feel concerned about how the other person's going to receive it. Yeah. Um, like we had one person write in and they mentioned how it was really um, great to see that you could hear what I was saying about being a stay-at-home mom and not finding a lot of joy in it. Um, And how, like, you know, this is just what we had to do in our life in order for you to have the career that you want to have and stuff. 
and they were like, I think it's really great that you guys are able to talk about it and you don't get defensive when I say that. And I think it's because you know I'm not coming from a place of blame. I don't blame yeah. you for why I'm well, unhappy. And to, to be fair, too, to that point, it hasn't always been, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> right. like I mean, uh, we had to work to get where we're at. And I had to work to get where I'm at mentally to, to view it through that lens. Yeah. Because uh, to be transparent, I absolutely was earlier on in our relationship very much like, in the mental space of what I was like, I'm working 16 hour days, like seven days a week. I'm fucking, I'm bringing home the bread. I'm doing all I fucking can. And it truly felt like I, it's not good enough. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And we had, I had, yeah, I had to flip my, I don't, we weren't talking about that on the, on an episode where we were, we were talking about this the other day. I was talking about this concept of like being good enough and it's not, yeah. it's not, it's not what it's about. Right about um constant recalibration and always wanting to be better yeah um so when you ask me in you know 10 years was i good enough now i hope in a in the right sense my answer is like no because i was i want to continue to be better because then if something is just if you get it then you're good enough then you never progress and that is in my opinion on everything whether that is your relationship uh, and communication with your wife, whether that is your skills at work or a talent, whatever. I think yeah, you, it's, it's, you have to constantly recalibrate and, and try to progress and just be better and, and not beat yourself up. I, I say that like with my weight, if I fluctuate five, 10 pounds between the next month, I'm not going to beat myself up yeah. because it's, I just keep pushing on. And it's the collective effort of the push yeah. that you look back over time and you say, I've done some fucking work here. And <clears throat> relating that back around to all of this, that's when I first opened up to you, it was really fucking hard. And we had some dark times even after that because, yeah. I mean, salt on wounds. It was fresh. Yeah. And it bled over into other aspects of our lives. And it was... Not pretty for a hot minute, but learning to get there. Oh man, I feel so much. I feel better today in pretty much every aspect of our life. Yeah. Than I have ever felt before. And I can see even just starting this podcast, I see a new, a little new spark in you. And hopefully this is something that we can continue to pour into and progress and yeah continue to make it a fun thing that everybody feels a part of yeah when i think too like um going back to what you're talking about with the constant recalibration and stuff um and even referencing the really hard times that we've been through i think that you know we are like people people are uh always in a state of progression too you know like the person that I was 10 years ago needed to be loved a different way than the person I am right now and so I think that by us really focusing in on this like hey we have to talk about like everything um and I need you to know I'm not coming from a place of being angry with you or resentful towards you or I don't blame you but I need to tell you where I'm at 
because you have loved me great up to this point, but now I need to be loved in a different way because I'm not feeling good in this other way. Yeah. Or like when you were, um, you know, there were, there were stages within uh, like your alcoholism that I had to love you a certain way. Uh, yeah. And then as that progressed, it's like, okay, I got to, I got to change up what I'm mm-hmm. doing here too, because he needs me in a different way. So I think kind of continuing to just talk about all of the things all of the fucking time, even when it's hard, even mm-hmm. when we don't want to, it's just, it's allowed us to have this kind of constant recalibration of like, what does my person need from me? Right. Because they've evolved into this space and maybe they don't want to be there. So I need to help love them through that and into the space they want to be in. Or maybe they are in a space that's really great. And so they need me to be there celebrating that with them and, you know, being your, your biggest fucking hype man, because you've done it. And this is incredible. And like, and, and what now, what do you need from me now? Because, you know, I think it's Mm. just this kind of constant, you're looking at your person and you're really trying to see them. And I know that we've even been through moments where like, I didn't feel super seen. And I say that, and I said that to you. And I think in your defense, you were like, we had just moved out here and you're like doing the job and you're doing the stuff and you're kind of in your own phase of like recalibration and we just weren't lining up. And I'm like, I need to feel like you're looking at me and like really looking at me. Do I look happy to you when I'm just sitting over there? Do I look happy when I'm getting ready in the morning? Do I? Yeah. Or do I look fucking sad? Because hi, I'm fucking sad. And I feel like, so I think that just being able to have that kind of really open communication with your partner so they can see you and love you through what you need. Um, not just with trauma that we carry and, right. you know, finally get to a place where we're ready to share it, but also even just in the small everyday things. Yeah. No, absolutely. Cause yeah, I'll admit for a long time, again, 17 going on 18 years. Um, well, and yeah. I've had moments too, where I didn't love you well. I don't want it to seem like oh, I'm no, like, no, 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 no. You That's didn't not what I'm, trying. I'm just <laughs> more trying to, there will be times that, yeah, you get out of sync and for us, like the term going through the motions, absolutely, I think applied. Yeah. You get up, you go to work, you make the money, you come home, you make the dinner, go to bed, repeat. And and yeah. you catch yourself doing that. Oh, fuck, that's been five years of that, you know. Yeah. Of course, we've always had this or that going on. And I do feel like we have been jumping from stone to stone and trying to like cross this pond, so yeah. to speak. Um, I feel like our life has moved very fast. But in that we've gone through a lot of motions at times. And so I think, yeah, this past, uh, well, since moving out here and especially I would say since, uh, getting into this house, right. Yeah. Um, we have tried to take more moments to pause and address things and breathe. And I think, I think this house almost symbolically is that for us as well. Cause I've always said I wanted to, you know, when we were young, I told you I wanted to buy, buy you this fucking, I'm going to, we're going to do it all. Uh, but I also said, if if we don't, and it's just a cabin in the woods, 
um, I'll be happy too. And I feel like we get a little bit of both. A good size house, good size land. It's still in the woods. Yeah. And we get to be back here and build our peaceful life now. Our, yeah. our oldest is almost 10 and uh, we're done having them and we're ready to, it really feels like that next big chapter. We're just uh, yeah, pushing over that page and let's start. And it feels like, it. I think I said this a couple months ago. It almost feels like the very first episode of like a good 90s sitcom, like, like home improvement. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the boys yeah. are still really young. But we're just like right in our career. Like that's kind of how it feels for us. And it's exciting. And I really try to stay in that when I do feel overwhelmed and um, or stuck. Or I, I do feel like a lot of my life because I feel like I have to move so fast and get so much done. Yeah. In that, I've, it's natural for me to feel like I'm spinning my wheels because uh, I just I want something and I want it now. And that's the same with, you know, side hustles I've had, um, things I like. What I, I just got to go and I got to go get it. Yeah. And um, so I'm excited for to still go out and get things, but also slow down a little bit and be able to have our porch talks or the talks out by the fire pit um, and slow down, plow, have to plow the driveway, you know, all that. I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just the biggest thing for us in all of that slowdown is just to, again, like find the time to just have these really open conversations. Yeah. And to tie it all the way back to the story that was submitted to us. I'm so thankful that that person has a partner Mm -hmm. that reacted the way that they did. And made them feel so loved and so supported through that. Yeah. And I hope so genuinely for everyone listening that you have someone in your life that you feel that sense of trust and safety with. Yeah. And if you don't, I hope that you find that in a therapist. I hope you find that in our inbox. I hope you find that in the Facebook group. I hope that you find someone that can help you through these things because we would not be anywhere near where we are right now, either physically in this home or together in our marriage, if we didn't get ourselves to that place of this is a safe relationship Mm -hmm. and I'm going to put my ego down and you're going to put your ego down and you're just going to hear me and I'm going to hear you. And we're going to work through whatever it is. If it's trauma, if it's feeling like we need more from each other, like we would not be where we are if we didn't have that. And so I hope that everybody listening has that with someone. And if you don't, baby, you just write me a little note, okay? (laughs) And I'll write you back. Yeah, (laughs) We have been... And again, I think this is going to, we're going to do this as long as we can, because we don't know how, you know, how many we're going to get in three months or six months. But as of right now, we are responding to everything and we will continue to do that uh, with uh, attention and respect to the gravity of what's being sent in. We don't want to just be like, thanks for your submission. And then, you know, we really, we really care. We really want to 
uh, keep that going. So yeah. if, if you do want to write in, it's my life at brokenyouthclub.com again. Um, and oh shoot, I didn't pull up the hotline. We should talk about the group though, actually. Yeah, while you're pulling up the number, uh, we did start um, a group on Facebook. Um, I believe it's just called the Broken Youth Club. It's Broken Youth Club. And it is a private group. So um, you just have to request to get in, answer a couple of questions. Uh, we will see that. We will let you in. Yeah. Um, and then we just want people to feel like that is a really safe space. So yeah. don't come in there and be an asshole. Okay. Oh, yeah, like uh, be in there, be loving, be kind, yeah, be thoughtful. Yeah, we have the comprehensive rules that you can read. Um, and yeah, we hope that that's a, a space that will just kind of continue to grow with um, people that will be fucking nice yeah yeah i'm a a part of many groups several of them you know are tens of thousands um, of people and the thing i've learned being admins of these groups is once they get too big or you just kind of allow anything goes it's never good it just never is so uh i want everybody to know i have a very quick and heavy ban hammer so there is, yeah. it's an absolute no troll space. I don't, even if I go with it, you're gone. Yeah, like, that's, that's like not just the don't place be a dick. Like, I think that we all need to just remember that we are all in different stages right. of this. Yeah. And some people could be well, riding think- in there and be coming from a very vulnerable space. Yeah. When I tell you, when we put this podcast out, I told Logan, if people are mean, oh, I need yeah. you to literally hide it from me because I cannot... I will run from this so fucking fast (laughs) because I can't have it. Like I can't, I cannot, I'm mean enough to myself. I cannot have somebody else feeding into these ideas that I already have that are so fucking mean about myself. And I'm so thankful that we haven't had any of that. So fucking thank you for that. Yeah. And it just, uh, to piggyback off of that. Yeah. Everyone's trauma is a different that we all experience different mm-hmm. kinds of trauma, but B, we experience it at different points as yep. well. So someone might be, you know, 10 years along a similar journey where you might be 15 years along that same one. Yeah. And so your understanding of the situation. Um, yeah. So no, nobody's trauma is too small here yeah. is my, is my point. And we've absolutely had people write in that are saying, I've still never, t- this is the first time I've ever told anybody this. Yeah. So we just need to be like, literally cradling each other okay like handle us like (laughs) like an egg okay because like world needs it the world's yeah and i mean we're getting ready i don't even have to say it but we're all getting ready to go into another tumultuous time in the country yeah and so have any fucking time to hug anyone even if you don't physically do it please this is is our hug for (laughs) you guys you know yeah. I think this would be a good opportunity to end it by saying that we care about everybody truly. Like uh like we said last week. Yeah, we're so while we're so bummed that this space has to be here that we have to have this trauma that we need to talk about. Um we're so thankful for each and every one of you that are here that have been uh so gentle with us. Um we hope that you will continue to be gentle with each other and with yourself. Um and just know that we're all in this shit together and we're so happy that you're here all right guys we'll see you next week love you bye